Welcome back to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast, the motivational poster in your ear. I'm your host, Tim Alanius, VP of Strategic Initiatives at AmericanEagle.com. In this episode, we're going to be diving into another commerce topic that's a lot of fun, composable commerce. To discuss this, I am joined today by Sana Bolkenstein, Director of Sales at Deity.io. After completing her studies in international relations, she moved to Uganda to start her own business in reusable sanitary pads, AFRI pads, in 2012. After living in Uganda for two years, she moved back to Amsterdam to work as an account manager at a SaaS company in media monitoring. In 2014, she started at Hypernode, a hosting company specialized in open source e-commerce hosting. And there she worked for almost eight years and became commercial manager, responsible for commercial strategy, marketing, and sales. Nowadays, she works as director of sales at Deity, a specialist in composable commerce. She loves working at the intersection of technical innovation and commercial strategy, networking, and international expansion. Besides work, she enjoys the perks of Amsterdam, cooks for her friends, does a bunch of charity work, and develops an ever-deepening affection for wine. Sana, welcome to the show today. We're so thrilled to have you here. What an amazing uh, background that you have had over the years. And I just think that it's so great to see someone who has gone through different aspects of both having your own business, moving into a bit more of the SaaS and the technology company side, and really now at Deity, really looking at the opportunity for what can be next in the future for commerce. So I'd love to hear a little bit more from you on the company, a little bit about your solutions and offerings, and let our listeners kind of get to know you and the company a bit better. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Tim, for that intro. It's uh, really nice to hear back, actually. So I'm Sana. I've been working at Daily now for a few months. What we do is basically we help enterprise e-commerce companies make the next move to growth. We have a lot of experience in e-commerce. This is not just me, but especially also the founders who've been around for 25 years. And during those years, we've actually seen the e-commerce market evolve and grow. And as I like to put it, become mature, a little bit, you know, similar to my own path. (laughs) And now that it's reached a new stage in maturity, we also see that the dependence that a lot of e-commerce funders traditionally have on technology providers needs to be lessened because this becomes too much of a business risk. So in order to spread that dependency and to have a more flexible setup, we propose a composable commerce solution, which is, of course, the topic of the show. So we're going to talk a lot more about that. But we help enterprise e-commerce vendors make that transition to a composable commerce setup, including a PWA front end. Wonderful. So let's dig backwards a little bit first and go into the past and just talk about where commerce solutions used to be and how we've now come to you know the aspect of composable in the present. So before this, right, commerce systems, and we can go really far back with just certain commerce systems, but they were all monolithic systems. And that single system was kind of the, you put your store up, it probably was on a subdomain, maybe it made it into a folder structure of your site. But commerce originally really stemmed at from that initial just purchase an item and the platform was the platform. You didn't really add much to it. You just added your products, your checkout capability, and you kind of moved on from there. Then it evolved over time and became more. But give us a little bit more background on the monolithic side and just where the pivot point came in where a monolithic system no longer was the best solution for a company. And there's still monolithic systems out there today. So how do we know when to pivot out of those? 
Right. So traditionally, you see that actually technology has always been a bit the weakest point in e-commerce solutions. This might sound a bit weird coming from me, but you see that e-commerce has really evolved based on customer demand in combination with the rise of internet and the internet use. So you see that marketing-wise and communication-wise, a lot of effort has been put into e-commerce. And then there was also that technical part, like my store needs to be found online, right? And there's been several vendors around for quite some time. This is an all-encompassing system. You don't have to worry about uh, technology. Just let us handle that. Anything that you want to do from like putting your products up in the front end to actually registering a purchase from a customer is something that we can do. And for a long time, this has been sort of the way that it is because these systems, or as we call them monoliths, they've been able to do all that. So anything that you want to do online when it comes to e-commerce, online shopping, they've been able to handle that. I would say in the past five years, you see that there is a transition where we say, okay, actually it is not feasible for a market that's evolving so rapidly with new technologies coming out every day to have one system that does everything for you. As we evolve, as the market evolves, as customer experience becomes more and more necessary and also tailored towards like local cultural needs, we need actually systems that are flexible to adapt to those needs. And the way that we do that is by not having one system cover all, but actually look at the different components that make up a web shop. So indeed, like product placement, order management, price management, search, and put those in different isolated business services that have their own software to handle that. It's completely specialized in that. It means that you also have a lot of options to customize it, for instance, to maintain those, update those, and if need be, switch them for a different provider without having to replatform the entire infrastructure that your shop runs on. And this is exactly what the difference between a monolith approach and a composable approach is. So a monolith would be choosing one system choosing like a Magento or Shopware or BigCommerce, whatever it may be, and build everything in there to a composable structure where you look, okay, at what is the different services that I need? What are the best providers at the moment to fit my needs there? And compose your architecture from that. The composing there, I think, is the best part of the word composable commerce, because as you mentioned, having the ability to have all these different business services, technology solutions connected yet independent of each other, you are able to grow in the maturity of your business with Mm -hmm. the different technology platforms. And I've talked about this on our show in the past, but Scott Brinker from Chief Martech does a marketing technology landscape diagram for a good number of years every year. He skipped last year, but I mean, there's 8,000 plus or probably 10,000 systems now that you could choose from for marketing technology. That's Mm -hmm. all sorts of different areas. But within that, so many of those are startups that then get acquired by bigger companies. They get plugged in. You look at the growth of tools like Marketo Adobe, or you look at Exact Target and Pardot within Salesforce. And to have a composable commerce system in the past, if a system changed, right, that you had connected, you'd have to go reprogram everything to that system. Now with a composable, as you mentioned, and and again, why I love the word, you just compose and say, okay, well, at this point, and I'm just composing using music, right? In the score, this note is the right note. But later that note may need to change and you just change that note and the whole piece still flows together really well. 
The same is what we have to have happen for the technology. Because if you don't have it flow together and you have to go through that struggle every time that the system changes, well, we're going to be integrating systems left and right every month because of how fast some of these change. Yeah. So when we look at Composable and, and we look at this, I love the phrase that you have on your website, optimize customer experience without adding complexity. And I think that's so critical because that customer experience is what it all falls down to today. Behind the scenes, me as a consumer, you as a consumer, my wife as a consumer doesn't think about, well, we do because we're in the industry. My wife for sure doesn't think about (laughs) what technology is powering that experience. She just Mm -hmm. wants a great experience for the purchase path. And when that purchase path or the different ways that she's interacting with a brand aren't smooth, it causes friction and road bumps and she goes and looks for something else, somewhere else. So you have to have these solutions in place and carefully compose them so that you have that growth opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. I love that analogy. And thank you for the compliment regarding that phrase. I'm totally going to take credit for that because as I was sort of thinking of how do we phrase this because we are a very much technology-based company, meaning that the lingo that we use to describe our products was also quite technical. And I wanted to have it a little bit more explain what we do so that like consumers like your wife, for instance, would understand what we do without having all the technical lingo. And I think this is essentially what it boils down to. You want to put the customer first because you tailor your product and your services towards the customer. In the end, You only run a successful business if you have customers. And so the technology is a means to an end, and it's not an end in itself. But it used to be very much that, also coming from the experience that I have, a lot of shops actually had their strategies dictated by the technology that they chose because of these vendor lock-ins and the technical legacy that has built up over the years. Made it impossible, for instance, to enter new markets or took like 10 hours of development time to add new products to your store. And this is really like holding your growth back. And to come back to the question that you asked before, like when is actually the time to start thinking about Compostable? This is actually when. Um, It could be a number of things. Could be that you want to have integrations with payment options that are, you know, currently not supported by your platform. Could be that you are running into front-end issues because you've got so much traffic or back-end issues because you have so many orders coming in that the database just simply can't handle it. And this all negatively affects customer experience, hence conversions. And the way to solve that is to look for a more flexible, composable setup where you can say, okay, if this is my issue, I want to tackle this issue without going through a very costly and time-consuming replatforming. Absolutely. I want to unpack another area of PWAs and speed with Composable. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. can you kind of... Just educate us a little bit on how Composable and the combination with the PWA really bring that ever so important performance to your shopping experience. Because right now today, I mean, we all know the majority of people start their shopping experience on their mobile device. And Mm -hmm. most of them are actually now starting to complete it in that same mobile device. Now, it used to in the past years, you know, go from mobile to desktop and whatnot. But really, it is that mobile phone is your conduit to your transactions. So speed is a critical element because of how short human attention spans are now, unfortunately. But we all know and have seen the images of goldfish is uh, pays more attention than a human at times. But uh, it's, it's crazy how fast seconds matter now. 
So first of all, composable commerce actually goes hand in hand with what we call best of breed solutions. And best of breed meaning you have the flexibility to choose any vendor you want. And this is very critical because, as I said before, technology is evolving at crazy speeds now. So it could be very well that you have a search engine that's working fine now, but there is a new search engine vendor coming up tomorrow that would actually be better suited for your needs. So if you have this best of breed composable approach, it means that you don't have to wait until this search engine, this particular search engine is incorporated into your platform or supported by the e-commerce platform you need. You can use it instantly. You can just integrate it into the platform that you are using into your architecture. And this of course, means that you can always use the latest technologies available, which will enhance the performance because, as you rightfully pointed out, this is, I would say, the single most important factor in successful webshops is to get them performing as fast as possible. So a lot of technologies and vendors are really focusing on that. The second part, as you rightfully say, is the PWA front end. PWA stands for Progressive Web App. And what it means and what to me actually the biggest benefit of a PWA is that you have one code base that services all the customer touch points you have. So whether that's in store, in a physical store, on a mobile phone, on a laptop, on a desktop, it's the same code base. Before we had progressive WFS, you actually needed separate code bases for all of those devices or customer touch points, meaning that you have a variety of code bases to maintain, to update, and this makes it difficult to always have them run on the latest versions, latest technologies available. PWA solves all that. You have one code base, it works on any device, automatically scales, and it works as an app. And as a consumer, I think you know the difference between going on your mobile phone to a web browser or using an app. It's really fast because it works from your phone, or as we say, server-side rendering. This is a very important factor to enhance performance. And with a PWA, you actually have that app-like experience, so performance, but also, for instance, customer engagement modules like push notifications on any device. And just an example of a latest technology that you can use when you have a composable setup because the front end is decoupled from the back end. So you can have as many innovations, customizations as you want in the front end without it affecting any of the back end services and vice versa. Thank you for explaining that. I did not explain the PWA before. So I appreciate you going in depth and explaining the acronym as well for our. I'm, I'm, I tried to be very wary of using like too much technical lingo, as you said. I, no, you're and good. I you're... have a technical background myself. I also learned it along the way, so I don't want to make any assumptions. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It was great. And you know, the server-side rendering, I think, is a big thing because for a while we went client-side and we found that with you know computers and everything, that also had its challenges and, and, and has grown over time because of the need for performance and, and for speed. And, and it is amazing how the technology has advanced so quickly. Uh, in this space, which is why I love being in it. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, but it's also amazing how a lot of customers are currently not able to use that those advancements because of the technical legacy that they have. Exactly. Yes, yes. The tech debt, as we in the industry like to call it, is yeah. uh, a big factor when it comes to you know looking to replace these systems. Sometimes people think that, you know, especially if they're not technical, that, oh, well, you can just switch a system out. It's like changing, you know, your from Office to Google Docs. No, it's not that simple. 
It has a lot of things that it's probably connected to, rules that have been set over time, and you have to accommodate for all that, and then connected to all the other systems that sometimes they didn't even know they were connected to, which is amazing. When we've gone through with enterprise architecture projects and, and digital transformation, it's amazing what you suddenly uncover. I've had clients who all of a sudden go, well, we don't even know what that server does, but we never wanted to unplug it because we weren't sure what would happen. So <laughs> those are the, the interesting technical debt ones that- Yeah, or you make across. a small change here and then somewhere else in the webshop something breaks and nobody really understands why. Yep, exactly. <laughs> kind of exactly. Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about just the monolithic aspect where we were about Composable now and how it's benefiting us. Mm-hmm. There's an issue here that I want to unpack further together of just fake versus true Composable commerce. So could you explain that one a bit more? It's an area where I just feel it's very important for people to know because there's so many buzzwords that are thrown out there. And we'll get into another one in a little bit with Headless. But for now, just the fake versus true composable commerce. Can you just explain a little bit about the challenges of that and what merchants or even agencies might hit when they think that they have something that's going to be composable, but it really isn't? Yeah. So first of all, let me say that we do not necessarily like dictate the truth. And so this might be a bit misleading terms like, oh, you know, when I have this, this is true set up and this is fake. I mean, of course, there is a variety of options here. And as we always also propose, like don't do like one big bang replatforming. The beautiful thing about composable commerce is that you can actually gradually change to a composable setup. So you can use the shop as it is. But for instance, if search is your biggest bottleneck right now, just take that service out and put it in a different isolated environment and connect that through a commerce composable or or middleware solution to your current setup. But as you also say, composable commerce is a very hip trend words to use and is actually also adopted by traditional monolith structures. So composable commerce means that you as a customer have absolutely full flexibility and freedom to choose the vendors that you want. If somehow these vendors are still dictated because they say, for instance, okay, you can, we can decouple the back end, but you can then use this and this and this service. That's not a composable setup. That is just simply pulling apart the back end, but still having that vendor lock-in that you want to escape so happily from. So if you have a true, as we say, composable uh, commerce setup, nobody tells you what to do. Nobody tells you which vendors to choose. Anything that is connectable through API should be able to be connected to your commerce backend, and there shouldn't be any compromises in that part. So it's very important to ask when somebody proposes to you, okay, let's go composable. Okay, does that actually mean that I can choose the vendors I want to work with, or are you still telling me which ones to use? Does that mean that I can definitely take out all the services I want? Does it mean that I can connect you know, custom software that I've built to my platform? Is it really composable in a sense that I can go microservices, so like put all these different business services in different isolated environments as much as I want, or is there still limitations to that? And I'm not saying that you have to do that just now, but in the future, if you were looking to say three, five, 10 years down the line, you want to have the flexibility to set up the shop the way that you want to with the services you want to need. And that might be services that you don't even think about now because it's so far ahead 
we can't predict them, say AI, for instance, but you want to prepare yourself now for that. So that's a bit like you can now lay the groundwork for having a setup that allows any new developments to be incorporated quite rapidly if you go truly composable. And I love how you broke that down of just the fact that you can start with just one piece and that's the whole aspect of composing, right? Mm -hmm. You can start to use the music analogy one note at a time to build a song where you can just take the most important one, put it outside and start to build that system. It's not an all in. You have to build every piece immediately. It's a growth no. factor over time, which which is so important for everyone to understand right now, especially with budgets, especially with just the industry where it's at. I think that a key stat, and, and you used it in an article on your site recently as well, but just from Forbes, is the percentage of consumers shopping online is increasing tremendously. And the online retail sales as a percentage of total retail sales have skyrocketed to 35% in 2021. Only a year before in 2020, those sales were at 19% of total sales. So, I mean, we are just continuing to see, and, and I know a lot of this is also, one, it was the trajectory of where e-commerce was going for the industry, but then where the pandemic really shifted that digital need. And so we saw mm -hmm. a lot of commerce systems stood up where now people are kind of coming back over, you know, in 2020, they stood them up. The businesses were just trying to survive, honestly, at the mm -hmm. end of the day. But then it was the fact that consumers weren't going in store. They were buying online. Once they got used to that, they said, well, why should I go in store? So now there's okay. a big shift to seeing the e-commerce continue growing at a rate that was projected for five years out in 2019. That suddenly happened over 2020 and 2021. Here in 2022, we've really been seeing the optimization and bring that word back into play here of all the systems that were just kind of thrown together a little bit, right? The band-aids to fix the situation of my consumers aren't coming to me, logistical shipping problems. People are going to other brands. Brand loyalty started to suffer a little bit because of availability of product. So that's where I see the need for Composable to continue that growth is if you have as a merchant put something in place temporarily just to survive mm -hmm. and now you've got the time to take a breath and kind of reevaluate it now you can go in and start this aspect down the road and path of composable because now you can start to say okay i need to optimize my email marketing okay let me go do that or search like you mentioned then my store might come into play and maybe i've outgrown the platform i'm on and i have to move to the next one well guess what you can still keep your search and your email marketing or whatever other systems and change that out into a composable structure and have that future growth and runway for your organization without having to go back and change everything, which is a much longer project. And I think that's where Composable really comes in as a efficiency because I have the opportunity to do smaller projects that both aid in the big picture, but over the timeline impact, allow us to make changes faster in that sense. Yeah. yeah, I think you've touched on some valuable points here because indeed, as you say, the pandemic has, of course, pushed online sales through the roof globally. Anybody who works in e-commerce can attest to that, but it hasn't actually changed the growth that e-commerce is going through. It has mainly, I think, just pushed the timeline or actually pulled the timeline like two or three years closer to us. Uh, because it's brought on so many like new online consumers, as you say, people who were buying mostly in physical stores before were now forced to buy online. And, you know, as psychology 
dictates if you change the behavior for like 90 days, then it becomes a pattern, then you're not going to go back. And that's also what we see that actually a lot of new online consumers have been brought on by the pandemic and have stayed on. And this is going to be like a structural change that is going to grow further. So the projected growth for e-commerce is going to be the same. It's just that the baseline has been bumped by the pandemic. And the pandemic has made it very clear that you don't want to solemnly rely on platforms like Amazon or eBay to sell your products through because as we've seen then, indeed, with supply, there's been major difficulties. If the platforms decided, okay, we're going to go full focus on medical supplies now, which of course makes sense. But if you as a vendor are completely depending on these platforms, you find yourself in a position where your income or potential revenue stream has been cut because of factors that are outside of your scope of influence. And so in order to maintain some of that control over your store, over your product, the services that you provide, you want to have that architecture or platform that you can use to service the clients in the way that you deem best. And Composable can definitely help you with that because you can make choices that are best tailored to your needs without you know, being dependent on software vendors or platforms dictating your choices or making you pay a lot for services that you don't need. I think that the pandemic has actually enhanced the importance of composable commerce and has also bumped that trend. Absolutely. And kind of talk about trends here. You leave me with that word, so I'm going to jump on that one. But sure. headless versus composable. I think mm-hmm. that's an area, as, as we all know in, in the tech industry, the the acronyms, the buzzwords, they come, they go. But headless has been around for a while. Composable has been, been there as well now for a couple of years. What's, in the best way that you can explain it, the advantage of both and the difference between the two? Yes, of course. So as I always say, headless is actually the first step to going composable because headless means that you decouple the front end from the back end. So if I can visualize it, if you have a Lego man, you know, you can actually take the head off that man and the rest of the body is still the same and it actually functions still the same. So that is kind of what headless does. It means that you have complete liberty in the front end without being affected by the back end and vice versa, which gives you a lot of opportunity to, for instance, go a PWA, really have that mobile first experience, put all kinds of customizations in the front end that you need, payment methods, etc., without affecting the back end and vice versa. But the back end is still very much the same. It's very intertwined. All the services that are there are still heavily entwined coded-wise. And so the next step, if you want to go composable, in if we go back to the visualization of the Lego man, you actually detach the arms, the legs from the body as well. And then you can change those if you want to have like, a, you know, one sleeve on the other end and a short sleeve on the other. You can do that without having to change your whole your whole Lego man and change, buy a new one. And that's what Composable is. It's really just taking the services out of the complete blob of code that your monolith has become and really like making it do only that what it's meant to do. So like I said before, do the search, do order management, price management, product information management, all these type of services that are now still very much intertwined. You can also take those apart and put them in different isolated compartments. That is to me is if you go from monolith to composable, this would be a nice first step to take before going fully composable. 
Wonderful. I love I love that. I love the analogy. I find the Lego man parts all over my house with my four boys. But uh, <laughs> it is a, it is a great analogy because it's so Maybe true. Already oh, tried. yeah. They're already thinking about headless already. Let me tell you. Um, and man, do they compose some interesting Lego characters. But uh, that aside, uh, that is the beauty of it. And like you said, it is the first step. And so for anyone listening, we definitely want you if you have not been down this conversation path yet, it is very well worth the time because it is something that will benefit your organization in the future. I never like to say that it future-proofs, but it definitely prepares you for the changes that are going to be coming as we continue to see the evolution in technology. As we kind of look to wrap up the show, we always like to go in to that future concept now, right? So I want you to pull out your crystal ball, and in three years, Sanya, where do you see composable commerce going, the whole commerce space you know, if you could predict it in three years, where are we going to be at with all this technology? Yeah. So of course, I'm a huge fan of composable commerce. So I'm, I will have to say I'm preaching for the choir here, but yes, uh, I do see that the future is going to be a composable one, not just us at Daily saying that. Uh, there's been several researches done, for instance, by Gartner that uh, say, okay, this is actually the way that the market is heading. I do think that AI is going to be a much bigger component of e-commerce than it is today. I've personally done a few interviews with companies in AI, very interesting new developments there. So I think we're going to get closer and closer to that physical store experience online. So all the benefits that you can have, like smelling things, touching things, seeing how you know a t-shirt looks on me, seeing how a new color would fit my living room, that experience we're definitely going to have. And then, of course, all the benefits that online shopping has. Mobile is going to grow even further. I mean, we see that year on year mobile uh, mobile purchases are growing, and I think that's going to continue. And a way to cater to those new developments and to make sure that you have that flexible setup that it means you can encompass new technologies, that you can make changes that are beneficial to you and your customers means that you need to have a composable setup. So the monoliths are still going to be there. We need e-commerce engines. Essentially, we need to have that transaction you know, being registered somewhere. But there's a lot of services that we have today and that we also have in the future that cannot be fully facilitated by those monoliths. And so we need to have a setup where we can incorporate those services without making any compromise to a customer experience. Wonderful. I love it. I love it. And at the end of the day, it's e-commerce done right. I'm going to steal some more phrasing from your website because it is great. Feel free to. <laughs> and uh, so just to highlight, if you are interested in learning more, deity.io, definitely go check out the website and learn more about what we've been talking about today. It is incredible just the journey I've seen over 20 plus years of the growth of e-commerce online and where we're at today. Now that you can compose your e-commerce dream, right, as you so elegantly put it on the website, work with the services you need, scale limitlessly, release new features in an instant, making both developers happy, but delivering on that optimized customer experience. I think that you, you're you serving both audiences, the people who need to build the experiences and the people who consume them. 
And so I think that's just an incredible solution that has been built out. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate the time for the conversation around this. For those that want to learn more, we definitely recommend you check out our show notes and the website, as I mentioned. Thank you for tuning into the future by listening to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast. For more information, check out the description of this episode. And if you want us to cover a specific topic in the future, or if you would like to provide some feedback, please email us at lessonsfortomorrow at americaneagle.com and let us know. Be sure to follow this podcast wherever you listen to them to stay up to date. And while you're at it, if you don't mind giving us a rating, we love to hear what you think and share this podcast with others to prepare them for the future. And don't forget to follow us on social media. This episode is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. I'm your host, Tim Alanius, and I'll catch you in the next lesson.